You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Coming up on the latest edition of the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast. If you know anything about Larry Bird, he's probably the all-time greatest you know, trash talkers on the planet. So he's catching, he catches the ball way out past the three-point line. I'm, I'm talking maybe eight to ten feet. And feeling I'm off of him. So Larry tells me, he said, this is during the game. It's like the shot clock's going down. He's telling me, are you going to give me this shot, rookie? Hey, you know, I have, I have a big bag of Starburst. You know, that's supposed to last me for about two weeks, okay? And what starts to happen is the camera guys come over there. <laughs> they're putting their hands in there, so, uh, you know, taking a whole handful. And I'm like, wait a minute, man, you didn't put in to get yeah. that. Happy holidays, everyone. We are ready to roll. Coming at you from the Nautilus Medical Technology Studios in downtown Palatine. This is Gimme the Hot Sauce, Episode 7. I'm your humble host, Mark Schanowski. Stacy King is alongside. He's ready to go. And we also got our friends here, John Walsh and Tim Kelly. And Stacy, you work with John for a long time. He's an award-winning director, award-winning producer, but as an audio man... I'll tell you what. <laughs> oh, man. We, we, we apologize. Wow. Hey, we apologize for what happened hey. in episode six because Stacy was like a million miles away. Wow. And, you know. This is the episode that we're throwing bodies underneath the bus. Seven-time Emmy Back award winner. Back it up. <laughs> hey, by the way, Mark, tell me the four on, the, on Mount Rushmore. What are the four presidents? Wow. I thought there were five. We had five yeah. presidents yeah, last time. Last, last episode was five. It's uh, Washington, Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, and Roosevelt. <laughs> oh, wow. Who? Wow. Say that again. Washington, okay. Jefferson, Lincoln, and Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt, Just yeah. so you mark. That was built a long time ago. So, oh, yeah. you know, that's a good history lesson for you, Mark. It's a little bit expensive to update that. It's not like changing a file in your computer. Yeah, you know, why don't you put your phone down <laughs> where you get that information from, okay, buddy? Hey, we want to we want to apologize for what for episode six. That didn't work out real well. We're in a new facility. We're getting started here, and we uh, we're, we're trying to get you the best audio possible. This is going to be coming at you a lot clearer, and we're looking forward to having some great shows in the future with the wit and wisdom of one Stacy King. Stacy, uh, how's your holiday shopping going? You getting ready for Christmas? Well, it's been a little bit difficult there, Mark. You know, I'm a last-minute shopper anyway, mm-hmm. so, you know, 24 seconds on the shot clock. I try to get up as many shots as possible. <laughs> um, you know, so uh, I haven't really had a chance to do the Christmas shopping, also because of the pandemic out there. It's kind of hard to get out there and go do the things you want, so you're ordering a lot of stuff online. And you just got to hope that, you know, you're not too late. So, 
But normally, if I go through my normal ritual, I'm always a last-minute shopper. As long as you get it done. That's all that matters. That's hey, let's key. let's get to the news of the day. We're actually recording this on a Tuesday evening. And the NBA world was kind of rocked a little bit with the news that Giannis Antetokounmpo has indeed signed that five-year Supermax extension that will keep him in Milwaukee for the next five years. The final year is a player option, but $228 million. And we were talking yesterday, Stacy, that he kind of said goodbye to his barber. And we were thinking oh, yeah. That he was ready to roll out of Brewtown, but he made the commitment to the franchise. Uh, what do you think about that? What does it say for Milwaukee and what does it say for the NBA? Well, I think it's big news for Milwaukee because of the simple fact it's a smaller market team and they didn't lose a homegrown talent. You know, he didn't go for the bright lights of L.A. or Golden State. He decided to stay there. He's His attitude is to win a championship and bring a championship to Milwaukee. And I think the fans of Milwaukee have to be excited because, you know, you go back to, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar being the, you know, being the big superstar player, leaving them after winning a championship and, you know, here you are and you come back now in 2020 and you have the opportunity to lose another one. And it just shows that the front office in Milwaukee did a great job of getting him and letting him know that they want him there, the city wants him there, and I think he really wanted to be there at the end. And John has been directing the Bucks preseason games. It looked like the whole franchise was kind of in a pall. You know, they got kind of run out by Ma- the Mavericks, who have a very good team this year. But did you sense, I, no fans in the stands, obviously, at Fiserv Forum, but that it seemed like it was a major distraction for the team, the whole Giannis thing. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, he's the franchise. You know, you grew up in Milwaukee, and you still talk about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar leaving. I got his basketball card. Right, and so I think, like Stacy said, (laughs) exactly. I got some basketball cards for you. We'll get to that later. But, yeah, no, absolutely. It was a huge attraction because, you know, it's Giannis. He's a two-time MVP, and uh, he means a lot to the city, and I think he's the kind of guy that said that he wants to be there, and they brought some pieces in, some good pieces, Stacy, like Holiday. They brought in to, to Holiday, DJ Augustine, oh you're familiar, <laughs> and Crazy Eyes, Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I mean, they, they went out and they tried to swing for the fences. I mean, they tried to get Bogdanovich to come. Uh, they had that deal made. You know, they made a couple of trades and with a couple of their younger players, and you, you kind of wonder how that's going to be, those younger players who didn't get, you know, that trade did not go through. Now they got to come back. And I think they've got a close enough unit there and that Giannis is there and, and he's the leader, true leader of that team. And you got a, a good pro uh, veteran point guard and Drew Holiday who has the respect of a lot of the players in this league, uh, especially some of the things that he's been dealing with off the court with his wife being sick and – um, you know, just just an amazing, you know, amazing character, just a strong character guy. One of the better guards that really doesn't get a lot of uh, press. You know, he doesn't – you don't talk about Drew Holiday, but I think fans don't know how good Drew Holiday is. I think, you know, teams know how good Drew Holiday is because everybody wants him. So that tells you how good he actually really is. Yeah, I got a chance to watch a lot of the preseason games over the weekend because basically I got no life. And, you know, with the <laughs> pandemic, there's not a whole lot of social things to be doing out there. So I watch a lot of basketball, and I tell you what – I. I only saw Brooklyn once, but that is intriguing, Stacy. The whole Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving combination. They have some good players that go around him as well. But I tell you what, this Kyrie Irving, he, he's a little bit crazy. You see what he posted on Instagram where he had a conversation with him and KD, and he's trying to convince KD, you know what, I think I should get eight post-ups a game where I take the guard down in the post and try to score. And KD's looking at him like, I don't know, dude, You know, maybe, two, maybe I'll give you two and a half. And the half is when you catch it in the post and throw it back to me. I, mean, I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, I mean, Kevin Durant is used to playing with those type of guards that are ball dominant. 
I think it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the players play because Kevin Durant knows he's going to get his shots. It doesn't matter, you know, what Kyrie does. He's going to get his shots. Steve Nash is going to run an offense that's going to feature both those guys. I think where the problem becomes is, is what about the Spencer Dinwiddie's, you know, Karis Leverts, guys who have been there, Joe Harris, you know, the the – Basically, the glue of those teams, the hardworking guys, they're in the same situation the Clippers were in. You have all these guys who are, you know, glue guys who are hard workers that help them get to the playoffs. And now you bring two superstar teams in there or two superstar guys from other teams in there. And now you, you, you know, you set yourself up with something like the Clippers, where guys like Patrick Beverly and, you know, Montrez Harold had a problem with the way the coaches treated the superstars and Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George. And you don't want that situation in Brooklyn. And everywhere Kyrie has been, there's been problems. You know, whether it's his problem or it's the teammates' problem, there's been some kind of issue that, you know, really, you know, really kind of fractures the team a little bit. And and when he leaves, the team seems to play better. He also thought the earth was flat. <laughs> yeah, he still believes guys. that too. A flat earther. You know, he got fined twenty five grand for not meeting the media when they had their media week last uh, last week, and then he did talk to the media on Monday because I think the Nets organization, who also got tw- fined twenty five thousand dollars, said, "You know what? You're going to get out there and talk." He talked for about twenty minutes, but I don't know if he really has a lot of respect for the media. He called them pawns, and you know, I, I think for him, he, he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, and he shouldn't have to talk to the media. But that's all part of the NBA. Well, it's it's part of your job. I mean, you you know, you you want the accolades, you want these guys to vote for you to be all stars or, you know, the you know, all rookie teams and everything. You want them to be working for you when you want them to work, but they have a job to do too. They have to print what they see. And sometimes it rubs you the wrong way. Sometimes you someone could write something about you that's not true. You get upset about it and you say, I don't want to talk to that guy, but you can't penalize everybody. That you know, never happened you, to you, did it? No, I mean, I've had people say say things I didn't like, but you know what? Um, I've always, you know, like I said, you don't know me personally. That's the way I took it. You don't know me personally. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know me as an individual, so you really don't have nothing to say about me, and what you say doesn't bother me. So that's how I always handled it. James Harden still looking for a trade out of Houston. He finally reported uh, for duty, went through a practice, is scheduled to play against the Spurs on Tuesday night. Do you think he's going to be there for a while before they can work out a trade? Because I don't know how you get equal value for a former MVP and a guy who's led the league in scoring the last three years. Well, it's a tough situation for Houston because teams know that James Harden wants to leave. And so, you know, they can they can play hardball with the Rockets because you're not going to get equal value for a guy. Like he's a top five player in this league, if not top three. So, you know, unless you're throwing first round picks, you got to equal the contract to make the make it work. And Houston's just not going to get things back that they can't use. So, they're in a tough situation, and, you know, James Harden, you know, I, I got a chance to watch Houston play this weekend, and I was impressed. I was very impressed. I mean, for a guy, John Wall, for a kid who tore his Achilles, it really, you can't tell the difference. I mean, he is still super fast. He got to where we wanted to on the floor. Boogie Cousins gives them an element that they didn't have with Clint Capella. Clint Capella is a great young player. Blocks shots, he rebounds, he changes the game defensively. But offensively, if it's not a dive to the basket, he really doesn't bring you anything offensively. So bringing Boogie Cousins, you get a hungry Boogie Cousins because he was on Golden State's team, and he gets hurt. Then he goes to the Lakers, he gets a ring, but he, he was hurt. So now, you know, he has a lot to prove. Same thing with John Wall. He has a lot to prove. So you get two hungry all-star caliber players that really want to come in there and make a difference. And if James Harden really looked at this team, 
he could see that these guys could really fit in the way he wants to play, and they could have a really, really nice team. Yeah, you know, looking at Luka Doncic playing with Dallas, it looks like he's ready to take his game up the next level, maybe all the way to MVP level. Do you think that uh, he can make a serious run at that this year? Yeah, I think he can. I mean, he's he's an electric player, and, you know, he's a guy that when you watch him play, it just seems like he's having fun. You know, he's out there laughing. He's got a smile on his face. He can miss three shots in a row and come back and drain five. I mean, that's the kind of player he has. Then you throw in Porzingis, um, you know, who's I think is a great compliment for him because you got a big guy, seven-footer, that can put the ball on the floor, that can shoot. Uh, Luka is a willing passer, loves to pass the ball, loves to get his teammates involved. Um, you know, and defensively, you know, Rick Carlisle is going to have him playing good defense. So and they pick up Josh Richardson. Yeah, and Josh Richardson. Like nice they're they're going to be much better, I think, than people think. I think you know you're going to look at Luca, and you know he's going to put him on his on his shoulders this year. Hey, King's take here. What, who, when you see Luca play, who does he remind you of? Is there any comparison? John, John thinks he's better than Larry Bird. He, he or might could not be. He might not be tougher, but he does the ball handling. Oh, man. The ability I, to post. You know what? I mean, he's more athletic than Larry was. You know, I, I will say that. But um, very similar games as far as high basketball IQ, understanding, you know, angles on the floor. You know, Larry was like legit 6'9". I mean, so, you know, Luca's probably about 6'7". Uh, Larry could post up, you know, go down in the box and post up, can hand the ball, pass it, and was a deadly three-point shooter. Deadly. I mean, I, I remember my first year – we're playing in Boston Garden, and Johnny Most, the legendary, <laughs> legendary broadcaster, Bird stole the ball. So, so we had we had gone over this play in in the shoot around, and and it's where you know when Bird and McHale and Parrish were on the floor at the same time, and they they were in these down screens, and so what happens is is that McHale comes down, sets a down screen for Larry Bird to pop out to the three point line. So we had divide, you know, Phil had got a game plan of saying, okay, Horace, you're guarding. You know, Larry, Stacy, you're guarding McHale. So when they come down to set that screen, you guys just switch. So that's what happens. So they come down to set the down screen. My guy goes down to set the down screen. Bird pops out. I, I'm denying him. I make him catch the ball at least, I mean, past the hash mark. And he's now, now, if you know anything about Larry Bird, he's probably the all-time greatest, you know, trash talkers on the planet. So he's catching, he catches the ball way out past the three-point line. I'm, I'm talking maybe eight to ten feet. And feeling, I'm off of him. So Larry tells me, he says, this is during the game. It's like shot clock's going down. He's telling me, are you going to give me this shot, rookie? And I go, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm going to give it to you. Take it, take it. He goes, you know, if I make this shot, your ass is going to the bench. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, and, and this conversation is literally going on while the game is going on. So the shot clock's winding down and feels yelling, get up on him, get up on him, get up on him now. And I'm like, He's, he's eight to ten feet off the three-point. There's no way in the world he's going to pull the shot because I felt like if I got up on him, he would go right around and then create for someone else. So I'm like, shoot it. He said, now, you know, if I make this, your ass is going to the bench. No. It was like five seconds on the shot clock, you know, and then all of a sudden he hits this three. He shoots it from deep. I had a hand up. He shoots his three, and you hear, Larry Bird for free. <laughs> and Boston Garden just goes crazy. So I'm running down the court like a wounded puppy. I'm like my tail between my legs, and he's laughing at me. And so so we come down to the offensive, and he's talking to me, still talking to me. And I'm really upset because you hit the three in my face. My coach is yelling at me on the sideline, telling him, I told you to get up on him. 
So I'm on the other end now. We're on the offensive end. He's got me completely flustered. I don't even know what play we're running. I don't even know. We're in the triangle. I'm, I'm running a circle. I don't know what we're running. So he tells me, he says, see? He goes, hey, don't, hey, you're getting ready to go out the game. You know that, right? And that first stop is play, you're going out. So I'm like, shut up, shut up. And I'm, I'm literally cursing him. Shut up, shut up. And so all of a sudden, the ball goes out of bound, dead ball. And it's like, ah. And I, I look over the sideline. Here comes here comes somebody to get me. And I'm like, it was like it was Will Verdue. I was like, I'm like, oh, man. And, he, and so so I go to the bench. I got my tail between my legs. I see Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson's, you know, it's like an oak tree. He's like 6'10". He's just, you could just, he's crossed his arms. He's got his arms crossed. Basically, like, I come to him. He says, what did I tell you? I told you to get up on him. Don't let him catch the ball. I said, Phil, he was 10 feet behind the three-point line, man. What do you want me to do? I told you he can hit that shot. Just go sit down. <laughs> so, so I go over and sit down. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm like a little puppy. I go over and sit down. Everybody's laughing. Don't worry, man. Man, Larry's great. He hits that shot all the time. So then Larry comes back down on the next play offensive, and he comes in the corner, and he tells me, he said, hey, rookie, what would I tell you? Told you he was coming out. <laughs> and I was like dropping the F-bombs. Like, F you, Larry. F you, I'm bad. And so he goes, hey, don't worry. He said, hey, I do your boy Pip like this all the time, too. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when, it, that's when I was like, this is a bad dude, man. He, he's, he's, he's a killer. Larry's a killer, man. And at that point, when you came into the league, Larry was already slowing down. I mean, he, he had was back down. Issues. Remember, he used to lay yeah. on the back. Yeah, he was, he was, my first year, he was still, he had a little ailment, but he was still deadly. He was still deadly. I mean, just, you know, when you get a guy like that, who's not 100%, uh, the basketball IQ takes over. Like, he knows where he, he knows where his spots on the floor are. He knows how to get to his spots. And he was such a deadly shooter. He wasn't the most athletic person, but you never blocked his shot. Guys never blocked Larry's shot. And it was – I mean, I, I was just blessed because when I, came from, when I came from Oklahoma, my biggest thing was I wanted to play with – against uh, Dr. J, Kareem, Larry. I wanted to play against all those guys. And Kareem was gone when I came in. Doc retired. So Larry, Mikhail, and uh, Parrish were about the only ones left. So I was like, oh, man. But it was honor playing against Larry. That's, that's, that was a great story, too. That was a true story. <laughs> that's good stuff, Ken. King's take. You know, the great thing about the NBA is that from generation to generation, there's always superstars. Like one guy will take the mantle from the next. And the next big star in the NBA could be Zion Williamson. I don't know if you guys caught the game last yeah, night. Yeah, I saw it. 26 points, 11 rebounds. And the great thing for Pelicans fans, he played 33 minutes. It looks like Stan Van Gundy is going to say, I'm taking the leash off this kid. Forget about minutes limits. This kid's going to play. And afterwards, Zion was saying the fact that he really appreciated the fact that they let him out there because he felt last year he could never really get in a groove because he was coming in and out of the game all the time. How good do you think this kid can be? Well, I think he can be as good as he wants. I mean, he's got all the physical tools to dominate. I mean, you saw him last night. It's just the first preseason game. But what you see out of him and what Stan Van Gunny is doing is basically taking the taking the reins off of yep. him and letting him play. He's playing a lot of pick and rolls. He's handling the ball. You know, where last year was more like let's just post him up and let him, you know, back people down. Now he's away from the basket. He's taking more outside jumpers. Now he's if he's able to to really consistently hit jump shots with the ability to put the ball on the floor and attack the rim, I tell you what, there's there's not too many people going to be able to stop him because even though he may be undersized, his leaping ability and his strength makes him play bigger than what he actually is. And Brandon Ingram ain't half bad. He had 23 dunked on somebody's head going baseline. I mean, he's looking to take his game to another level. The West is brutally tough, but do you think the Pelicans can possibly crack that playoff field this year? 
It, it, it's tough. I mean, you know, I, I, they have enough talent, and I think Stan Van Gundy will get them playing a certain way. I know defensively they're going to be much better than they were last year because Stan is a, you know, is a guy that really preaches defense, and and he's a good coach. Look, kids love playing for him, and I think you know he'll get the best out of those guys. I think when you're looking at the Western Conference, man, there's so many teams out there that. You know, you already know the the top heavy teams. You know, LA, both LA teams. You know, their Denver's going to be Denver, there. Dallas. You got Dallas there. You've got, you know, you could possibly Phoenix, Phoenix can be in there yeah. this year. You know, Utah's Utah. going to be Portland. the usual suspects. Portland's going to be there. You know, the usual suspects are going to be there. There's not going to be a lot of room for error. You can't get off to a bad start if you're in the Western Conference. You can't so you can't lose your you know eight of your first eleven games and think you're going to be there at the end. It's not going to work that way because there's too many good teams. So. All these younger teams who are trying to come up and catch up with all the teams that are established, they've got to get off to great starts. Hey, King, real quick, you think the uh, with fans in the stands and some of these southern, like Dallas, you mentioned New Orleans, probably Atlanta, Miami, you think that's going to really help? I mean, assuming it is, obviously, the home teams. When you're playing in Chicago without any fans in Milwaukee, well, I mean, it's it's really, I mean, just doing these last two games this weekend, you know, because I didn't go to the bubble, so I didn't get to experience what the bubble environment was. But, you know, doing these first two games this past weekend at the United Center, it was awkward. It was really weird, you know. Um, but I think, you know, hooping is hooping. <laughs> I mean, if you're a basketball player, you're used to playing in different environments. You know, from the time when you're a little boy to the time you get to high school, you're used to playing in front of no crowds. So at the end of the day, it's just playing, playing basketball. My team's going to be better than your team. doesn't matter if there's one person in the stand, if there's 20,000 people in the stands. And I think if you go back to that bubble situation, some of those teams were affected. I think Milwaukee was affected by not having home court advantage or not having fans in the arena. There's a bunch of teams in that bubble that really struggle without fans. Um, I thought the Clippers were another team that really struggled. You heard Paul George talk about it. You know, him struggling and, you know, not being able to make shots. Boston. I think Boston. I mean, young teams, I think young teams struggle a little bit. But you see teams like L.A. Lakers, they were on business. Like, LeBron didn't care. LeBron was about winning a title. At the end of the day, there was the trophy at the end. We're playing for a title. We don't care if there's fans here. We don't care if there's, you know, stuffed animals in the stands. It's still we're playing <laughs> for a title. So we don't care about it. There's no distractions for them. That's a veteran team. Yeah, Jimmy Butler was built for the bubble. Yeah, the Miami team was built for the bubble. That's that's one of the reasons why Miami really played extremely well. I mean, honestly, do you think – I mean, as good as Jimmy played in the bubble and Miami played in the bubble, I don't think they beat Milwaukee if you're in the old format. If, if Milwaukee has home court advantage, I don't think Miami beats them. I mean, that's just my opinion. It's been amazing to see what's happened to Jimmy Butler since his great performance in the bubble. Now they've got a, a feature cover spread on him saying the most interesting man in the NBA, talking about his big face coffee, you know, $20 a cup, and, and he's become larger than life. And it's funny because when he first came to the Bulls, you know, he was the last pick in the first round, and Tibbs never played him as a rookie, and, and you never heard him say anything. Because no. he had no right to say anything. He wasn't getting on the Eight court. Eight minutes a game. Now he's becoming this big personality. And, and good for Jimmy because he, he got frustrated at the end of his Bulls run because he thought he could maybe bring some other players in and have a chance to make a, a championship team here in Chicago. Now he's going to Miami, and he's been incredibly successful. Hey, real speaking of which, with the Knicks, with Thibodeau, that team's going to be a surprise team in the East, don't you think? Because he's going to let pl guys play. I know surprise with me bad? I, I don't know. Don't sleep on Toppin. I mean, that kid. I don't really see them. I don't see them this year making, you know, making the splash that everybody thinks because they still have a lot of things. Listen, 
they're just like any young team. There's, there's a lot of bad habits that need to be broken. You know, I said that the other night when the Bulls were playing that first game. You know, there's a lot of habits that have been ingrained in these younger players that when you bring new coaches in, as great as new coaches are, they need time to break those bad habits and get them to play the way they're supposed to be playing. Now, watching the Bulls the second game, they came out and played totally different than they did in the first game. They got after Houston. They limited the three-point shooting. They rebounded the basketball. They had much more energy. And I think, you know, Billy Donovan, when you watch Billy Donovan on the sideline, he's got that demeanor kind of like Brad Stevens. You know, he doesn't – you don't see him yelling. You don't see him lose control. He's always under control. And as a player, especially young players, they need to see that kind of stuff. They need to see that their coach is not, you know, that's not affected by certain things. He's not a moody, up-and-down personality type of guy. They see him over there, he's calm. So in turn, they're going to be calm. And young players sometimes need that. Sticking with the young player theme, the, the, I think the most impressive thing from the Bulls in the two games was the play of Kobe White and the rookie Patrick Williams. Let's start with Kobe. I thought, especially in the second game on Sunday, he did a much better job of running pick and roll. He was under control. He was making good passes to his bigs, and he wasn't trying to force the offense as sometimes we've seen in the years past. I know it's going to be a year-long process with both Billy Donovan and Maurice Cheeks working with Kobe to try to get his development as an NBA point guard, but did you see some growth in him in those first two preseason games? Yeah, I definitely did. I thought, I thought especially in the second game that he came out and he played much better under control, understanding what the defense was trying to do because in that first game, you know, they, they played him a little bit differently. They, they, they kind of bracketed him in and let him get to where he wanted to on the floor, and then they closed the door on him. And then he got himself caught, you know, with three people on him, and then he turned the ball over. So he turned the ball over a little bit too much on that first game. But I thought in the second game, they probably pulled him to the side, showed him some film, because Houston's defense, they were doing the same thing they did the night before, but it didn't work. He was able to understand where to go with the ball. If this happens, this guy comes up, this guy will be open. If two guys come, this guy in the wing is going to be open. So he recognized it, and that's that's growth and development within you know, 24 hours. So that just goes to show you that he's willing to put the time in, he's willing to put the effort in to become the point guard that Billy Donovan and the Bulls thinks that he can be. But defending John Wall, that was a bit of a problem. John yeah, Wall went right at him. Yeah, but you know what? It, it, this is why your team defense has to get better because no one out, no one in the NBA now is is really, you know, except there's a few guys in this league that are just straight up, you know, defensive guys that can lock people down by themselves. There's not a whole bunch of them, so a lot of teams have to rely on team defense and schemes. The Bulls are no different, and I thought, you know, when you watch John Wall. I think that he got too much respect, first of all. And then once he saw that he was given too much respect, he went to the attack mode. And he just went right by people. And you got to give John Wall some credit because coming from a devastating Achilles tear, missing a whole year, and then to come almost out. Almost two years. Almost two years. And yeah. then come out and look like he hasn't missed a beat as far as his speed level was concerned. Because, you know, coming back from an Achilles injury, Mark, that's, one of the, that's harder than coming back from an ACL injury. You know, you lose a lot when you come back from an Achilles injury. Can you come back? Yeah, but it's it's real tough. But to see him and the speed and the things he did, and same thing with Boogie Cousins. Boogie Cousins coming from ACL injury, Achilles tear, two years in a row. And he looked like the all-star Boogie Cousins from Sacramento. He looked to be in good shape, like he oh, dropped some man, weight. He, you could just tell the way he played. I mean, he, he has high basketball IQ. Both of those guys have been wanting to play with each other. You know, they've, you've heard them talk for the last couple of years. They've yeah. always wanted yeah, to play. Kentucky they're Kentucky, they're yeah. good friends. They're good friends. They went to Kentucky, and they've all wanted to play. They wanted to play together, and they finally got an opportunity to play together. 
And that's why I said with James Harden, you might want to wait and see how you mesh with these guys. Because, <laughs> yeah, before you try to force because your way out Before of you force your way out of there. Because, you know, you still have some – you got Trevor Reese is going to be there. You got P.J. Tucker. You throw in Wall and Eric Cousins. Gordon. I mean, Eric Gordon. You still got this. And they're running the same offense that D'Antoni ran. It's no different than what they did. It's, it's you know, their space in the floor, isolations, pick and rolls. The difference between, you know, Russell Westbrook and, and John Wall, they're both great players, you know. But Russell – in my opinion, is more kill, 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 kill 24-7. Whereas John Wall can get his teammates involved. He likes the assist. He, he doesn't have a problem getting eight or nine assists. He doesn't have a problem giving the ball up and letting James Harden go to work. And he can spot up and hit jumpers as well, as well as Boogie Cousins being a big that can you know pick and pop and shoot threes and keep the floor space as well. Hey, Bulls fans are pretty excited about the rookie, Patrick Williams. 19 years old, just turned 19 in August, and he looks so poised out there. In the first it's game on Friday o'clock. night, I tell you what, he was he was really impressive. Yeah, he was um, – I, I thought he'd play with a lot of poise. I thought he'd played beyond his years. He looked like he was like a, a veteran out there. Nothing seems to phase him, you know. Um, he goes out there, he plays under control. He's got great fundamentals. I mean, he did a couple things out there that you see a 19-year-old don't do, except for like guys like LeBron, as far as fundamentals are concerned. There's a couple times where he gave a shot fake, and he got his man up in the air, and he did one or two dribbles, escape dribbles, and was able to pull up for a jump shot. Another thing I thought was impressive, he can handle the ball. He comes down the floor, and he's not in a hurry. He's not trying to beat his man off the dribble. He's just just surveying the floor, seeing where he can attack or where, where I need to go with the basketball. He walks in, pulls in, and shoots a pull-up jumper from 19 feet. Uh, very impressive. Got length. He's uh, got long arms. He can jump out the gym. Just athletic. And he's got an NBA body. I mean, 19 years old, you know, 6'9", 228 pounds, ripped. Hey, Tim hasn't talked yet, so we, we got to get him involved. I didn't even know if he spoke yeah. English. <laughs> he, he, he's still away. He would, Tim, you, you were telling me a story about playing pickup with Stacy back in the summers. And, and Stacy told you to stand in the corner and shoot threes, and you said you had more <laughs> game than that? And that's pretty much it. Just stay, <laughs> stay in the corner, do your job. Nobody puts Tim in a corner. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's how it went, and uh, he was right. Cause that was, yeah, that yeah was, what were those what games like, Stacy? Well, we always won. Yeah, and so you, you like, stacked the deck like LeBron. No, yeah, I did do that. I did that. So, so me and Tim, me and Tim, this is what we do. We we I would call Tim up and say, "What time are you getting to the gym?" Yeah, and and so that was one of those times you had to sign your name up on the board and first come first serve. So what me and Tim right started doing, lot. so right in the parking lot, I'd say, "Meet me in the parking lot. We'll go in together, so we'll be on the same team." And then we started getting other guys who were good players to, to be, do that too. And then we'd run the court all day. And then people started figuring out what we were doing. So then all of a sudden you see like 30 people in the parking lot. So we'd all come in together. It's like, what are all these people doing in the parking lot? Well, they're trying to get on our team. So it's like, oh, we don't want you. You suck. Guys banging into each other trying to skip in line. Oh, right? it was yeah. terrible. It was terrible. And then they had all kind of rules. They had to, you had to sign up on the board now. They, they did the Tim Kelly, Stacey King yeah. rule. They just, and then we had they to did, start they, hiding in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. We, we were, That's we were, a whole different story. Couldn't you like auction spots off, like highest bidder? Who's no. gonna be who's gonna be the three? You know, we had we had guys out there, Jimmy the Redhead Assassin. <laughs> uh, we had you know, everybody had nicknames back there, you know. We had we had Charlie, Charlie too, the short arm Charlie, you know, wore the Stallone shirt. He I'm wore, sure you gave him all the nicknames. Oh, too. I did. I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. That was back in your nickname days. That's when I started the nicknames right there. That's You're when like, I, hey, I all my little catchphrases came from street. came from Forest Grove back in the day playing pickup basketball. Uh, all my little catchphrases came from there. I had everybody got a nickname back there. 
man. Short if you arms, co- you were called T-Rex. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, little arms. Little it, arms. If you caught last week's show, you, there was one really creepy moment in there where uh, our friend John Walsh was talking about his basketball card collection and talking about going hey, right in the there. tubs. Who's he actually that? he Who's actually that? brought cards over. Storm and Norm Van Leer, a vintage classic card of Norm and, 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 and all and the these cards are like eight by ten. Yeah, he was talking about the fact that they were how big these cards. Oh, okay. Stacy, he was saying they're all in mint condition all as mint. he's putting his greasy fingers all over. It's like if they're in mint oh condition, you better encase them in plastic because they're not going to last very long. Look, these are some huge cards. Late great Man, Tom Borwinkle. Some old cards. Yeah. This is this is what's in the bin when you go. That's for the visually impaired. See, 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 Susan, his yeah. wife, has the cards that are actual the the actual cards that I'm used to seeing in my generation. I'm not used to seeing these eight by ten. Big cards. How about this guy right here? Ernie D. Gregorio, the former Buffalo oh, Brave. Oh, Buffalo Brave. Providence College Friars. He looks like one of the guys that played in our pickup games, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> with the short shorts. Yeah, yeah, with the short shorts. Yeah, how about him? Is that what he did to you, Bill King? Jackson. Phil Jackson. Look at that Man. sky hook. Okay, first of all, he's Does got Phil. Like ja- he's got a card of Phil Jackson throwing up a little sky hook. I would have yeah. thrown that, that to Kareem? the third that row. That could be Kareem. <laughs> I would have thrown that shot to the third row. He's got Pistol Pete Maravich. You know, when you see when Pete Maravich, kind of, you think about the young uh, Lamelo Ball who's throwing those behind-the-back oh. passes. Great court vision. He's able to get the ball off the glass and throw I'm it down court. You. This wow. kid is going to make an impact wow. with his passing ability. I'm going to tell you wow. something. I, I, I listen. He's impressive. I mean, I haven't seen a passer like that since Pistol Pete Maravich, Magic Johnson. Some of the passes that he makes out there, you can just tell he has a great feel for the game and instinct. And his teammates are loving playing with him because they know that they're gonna he's gonna get them the ball in transition. I mean, you know, just some of the lobs he threw the other day. You know, both both those ball brothers are really good players. You know, I think Lonzo had so much expectation because of his father. You know, hyping him up so much. But you know, getting out of LA, I think was the best thing for him. Getting away from his family a little bit, letting him kind of spread his own wings in New Orleans, and he's kind of found a home there. And he's 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 really becoming a nice playmaker for New Orleans. How'd you like to be uh, Leangelo at the family gatherings, you know, saying you got cut after two days and, and we're establishing ourselves in the league. Detroit kind of did him dirty. They didn't let him play in a preseason game, said you don't have NBA talent, you're out of here. That was very, in my opinion, that was just, that was disappointing because they never even gave him a chance. Like, give him a couple minutes to see what he could do. You know, I mean, what was he there for? I mean, a body in practice. How many practices did you have, you know, yeah. because of the COVID? Um, so I, I, I feel bad for the young man because anytime someone gets cut, you know, you just feel bad for him because this is his dream. You know, he wants to be in the NBA like his brothers. And I guarantee you if he continues to work hard because there's always a place for shooters. And he's probably the best shooter of the three. Um, you know, depending on what position he plays. Is he a two? Is he a three? How's right. his ball handling? Um, he's a tweener right now. But he can shoot the basketball. And there's always a place in this league for guys that can make shots. But when they get together for the family uh, barbecue this summer, the ball barbecue is going to be uh, – Pass a potato salad, G League. You know, wow. <laughs> oh, that hurt right there. Well, you know, that's the way it's going to be. Brothers are going to be cruel to brothers. I don't know, though. There, there's a lot of love between those between those guys. If anybody says anything, it would be it would be LaMelo because LaMelo is like the – he seems like the guy when you watch that little show. He seems like the, the wisecracking one. But right. that's more personal there because I, I don't think they'd say anything about that because he never really got the chance. You know, right. he got the chance is one thing, but – you know what I'm saying? You just got to continue to work hard, keep doing the things that, that's going to make you a good player. 
uh, you know, quiet all the noise. Don't worry about the distractions and just keep plugging away, man. There's always a place for God. Sometimes you might have to go overseas. Sometimes you might have to go to the to the G League and play down there and let people see you that you are an actually good basketball player. And then somebody might call you up, but you don't stop. Don't stop, you know, trying to reach for your goals and dreams. I just wanted to say, you know how much I love the old uniforms, uh, the classic, but I like Charlotte Hornets, the new unit, new city uniform. I like that. That's to me, that's my favorite of the new. Just wanted to get that in there. Yeah, I mean the city uniforms. Some of them are really good. Others, you know, they try too hard. It seems different color schemes that don't really capture what the team is all about. Yeah, like the the Bucks. I mean, they that's part of the Lake teams. They have blue now, right? In their color scheme. What and, did you think about the old Mecca floor they had a couple of years ago with the patches? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I like the old, I like the old Milwaukee uniforms with the stripes down the side. Right. Yeah, because I I grew up watching their uniforms and DePaul had that. DePaul had that the stripes down the mm-hmm. side, and I almost went to DePaul. I almost came to DePaul because of those wow. uniforms. Wow. That's how that's Man, how impressionable. Yeah. That's how impressionable. You know, when kids are watching these games being played, you know, especially at the co- high school to college level, they're looking at the uniforms. That's what I was looking for. And that was like in the 80s. So if I was enamored by DePaul's uniforms and I was ready to come to DePaul, knew nothing about Chicago. Yeah. Knew nothing. But Ray Meyer recruited me. And I tell you what, <laughs> he was one of the nicest coaches I've ever talked to. He almost had me. He almost had me. He's like I, your grandfather. Well, yeah. He, I mean, what really happened was is that that was the, the weekend I was supposed to come up on my visit to DePaul. Uh, ben Wilson got killed. Yeah, yeah. And then so when I came home from school, my mom you know, was watching the news, and she saw the number one high you school player. You ain't going player. to Chicago. <laughs> she told me, you are not going to Chicago. They're killing kids. And I'm like, yeah. like what are you talking about? I got to visit this weekend. She said, you're not going. So I had to call and cancel my visit, and I was devastated too because I really wanted to go to DePaul just because of the uniforms. You know, talking about, talk about uniforms, when uh, Bo Ellis was at Marquette in the late '70s, they actually let him design the uniforms. That's where they had the untucked jerseys. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and those were some cool the, uniforms. The, the, yeah, that's and Al McGuire used to go into New York City, and he'd recruit guys out of there, and you know, to come to Milwaukee, they didn't, you know, they didn't know anything about the Midwest, but and they, they saw, Rose Royce. They saw Marquette. Yeah, play yeah, on t- television. They want to be Marquette, there. Marquette, Butch Lee. What was their Marquette? They were the Marquette Warriors. See, see, <laughs> the untucked jerseys was the reason why I liked them because DePaul's had untucked jerseys too, and that's the reason why I liked them. So if you ever go back and you look at me in college, my jersey was always untucked. Always, I was the only one in Oklahoma roster that had his jersey out. They make like the a dress now, don't? But they, they also, but shirts. also the reason why I had my I had my jersey out because we had the John Stockton shorts. So I had to, I didn't want to, you know, the short shorts, you know, I had to make sure. Yeah. I, I didn't want to be walking around with the little tidy whiteies on, man. No I had to cramping the, in those. No, yeah, you no, know, no cramp, no. Speaking of Marquette, I was watching a game last night. They upset Creighton, a top 10 team in the country. And the game was, they, they were up, Wisconsin they, they were up by a couple of points late. And a kid's going to the free throw line, shooting two big free throws to basically with ice the game. He makes the first one. And the second one, he's getting ready to go. And the referee goes, hold on a minute. He goes, you got to tuck your shirt in your pants. And I'm like, this guy got money on Creighton? I mean, yeah. what's going on? He's trying, he's trying to ice the guy. Yeah, you, takes it's, the ball it's a rule. Hands. It's a yeah. rule. You get a technical foul if you don't have it. And they used to say it was the Stacey King rule because I did it. I did it all like my whole career. And I remember when I was in a tournament, they said, "Hey, you got to, you know, you got to tuck your shirt in." And I'm like, "Man, you better go on with that." <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing this way my whole career, so sorry. Yeah, so, I know we're all a favorite of uh, watching Scott Van Pelt on ESPN doing the Bad Beats segment. You guys catch the Monday night game where there was a safety in the last play, and that allowed the, the Ravens to cover against Cleveland. They were a minus three. It was a three-point game. They oh, when they were throwing the, they throwing the ball around. They kicked a field goal with two seconds left to go up by three, which would have been a push, 
Instead, Cleveland t- starts throwing the ball around laterally like 10 times. It goes in the out of the end zone for a safety. And so Landry they, they got tackled in way. the end zone. I mean, that that is a brutal way to lose money. Wow. I mean, did, I saw yeah. people on Twitter all over the place going, you got to be kidding me. That's the worst bad beat ever. And that game was – a lot of people are saying it was the best game in the NFL this year. Back and forth between – Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield, and and the one sequence that really stood out that's been all over social media today is uh, is Lamar Jackson coming out of the locker room to rescue his team for a fourth down play, getting the go ahead touchdown. And he said he went in the locker room because he he was cramping up. A lot of people said it might have been a, a, a bathroom issue. Stacy, uh, have you ever had a teammate uh, had to leave the court uh, because of uh, pulling some a pole pierce? No, I've, I've had teammates not come out to start the game or halftime because they, they're they sick, right. you know. But you know, this is where the NFL and, and professional sports probably need to invest in the astronaut diapers, you know, because <laughs> with the astronaut diapers, you what? can pretty much go to the bathroom and no one ever knows. You know, just, you know, let's go, you know. I mean, Like, like Gus Grissom yeah, did in, yeah. in The Right Stuff. Because, you know, they, they have the pot, they have the porta potties on the side now. They pull over the things now. You see sometimes they pull over the little hood that people go to the bathroom. I mean, think about it. I mean, you know, I mean, the astronaut diaper works. You know, what do they do up space when they have to go to the bathroom? Just the diaper on. Just sit there and... Let but it go. The, the funny thing was Lamar Jackson. Did you get those in the store? I, I, let me. Yeah. It's I late. Hey, trust me. I trust okay. me. I'd like to get some of those sometimes when I'm sitting up, when I'm sitting up there for three hours <laughs> and the bathroom's like two two stories away from us. Trust me. I yeah. like to have the astronaut diapers okay. on. Okay. Okay. But, but Lamar Jackson was asked. We just about, went way off south of the astronaut diapers. Okay. Yeah. It's Gatorade boss. <laughs> you know. There's supposed to be a professional fraternity where you don't out the other guy. And, and Lamar Jackson was asked, hey, did you, did you have to go to the bathroom? Was that the issue? And he goes, no, I, I didn't pull a Paul Pierce. Because wow. Paul Pierce, when he got taken off the court. Yeah, in, in yeah I heard game, that. I heard that. In a wheelchair, said, finally fessed up and said, yeah, I have to go to the bathroom. You know? Yeah, he said I didn't pull a Paul Pierce. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> but Paul he just Pierce threw him has, under the bus. As one of these. And then yeah. backed the bus up two more times and ran him over, man. <laughs> so I saw Paul Pierce on the jump today, and he's like, oh, man, come on, Lamar. Why'd you say that, you know? The truth. But it was it was, it was was funny because that, that, that was the story with Paul Pierce that he had to go to the bathroom. Everybody thought he had this knee injury, and he, he went out. But I tell you what, though. I mean, I was watching the game last night with Lamar Jackson. That was – that was awesome what he did. It really I mean, was, seriously, yeah. because here you come back, it's fourth and five. The game is on the line. Cleveland just marches down. Baker Mayfield gets him in the end zone. It looks like it's over. Cleveland's gonna win. Your your quarterback is supposedly cramping in the locker room. They right. don't know when he's gonna come back. You got, you know, you got a rookie out there, uh, McSorley out there. He he I mean, no one's gonna give him credit, but that third down pass that he threw and got the first down that kept that drive alive, that was huge. That was huge. Then he gets hurt. And then here comes Superman. You know, it, it reminds me of a story, okay? Because, you know, I'm, I always tell you stories. <laughs> story time. We're, 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 we're in Atlanta, okay? We're playing the Hawks. Michael Jordan turns his ankle, okay? Turns his ankle really bad. Looks like he's going to be out. You know, doesn't know if he's going to come back. So he's in the locker room, and it just looks like it was a bad sprain. We think he's done. We're not going to see him again. Uh, Atlanta goes on a run. You know, they start to take the lead, whatever. So all of a sudden – the Atlanta Hawks mascot had the Superman outfit on, and he's starting to come out of the tunnel. They start playing that Superman theme. How does that Superman theme go? So then, then they throw out the dry ice and the smoke. <laughs> so you're waiting for the Hawk to come out because you know Harry the Hawk or whatever his name is. It's got the Superman. Superman's in the building, and they're 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 broadcasting this through. 
All of a sudden, here comes Michael through the mist. And he comes through the mist with a, with a sprained ankle. No one thinks he's going to play. And he comes out and drops like 40, and we win the game. And it was, it was so – it was, it was unbelievable at that particular time with that song playing and Superman theme song playing yeah. and the smoke. And then here comes MJ. No one thinks he's going to play. He's got a badly sprained ankle. He comes out, and he drops like 40-something on the Hawks. We win. And that's legendary. Central and that was kind of – watching last night – was kind of the same thing. I got that same feeling. I'm like, he's going to pull an MJ. Instead of Paul Pierce, I would have said he pulled an MJ because he came off, whether he came off the toilet, whether he came off of stretching. <laughs> it's to, impressive no matter to, what. To yeah. come out there fourth and five cold and, and and under those circumstances, be able to fourth down and five, he could have ran for the first down. And Hollywood Brown, if you remember, dropped about dropped two or three couple, passes. Yeah. So to trust him to make this play, that was amazing. Do you see the way he caught that ball? He just clutched it yeah, against his yeah, chest like yeah. he's holding a newborn yeah, baby. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, he, he knew he, if you drop that one and they lose because of that, you can't go back to Baltimore. That's a great Kings take right there. He was it going is. two seconds faster than when he came back. <laughs> <laughs> he was lighter. I, hey, he was lighter I'm on his feet. I'm not going to ask you why. But you know what, though? Even if he, even if he went to the bathroom, what, yeah, so who what? cares? Yeah. I mean, if you had to go, you had to go. So, but at the end of the day, he got what he did. He came out there. He won the game for his team. It looked like they were they were going to lose. He snatched them from the jaws of defeat. And that was a big win for them. Huge. They were kind of in the hunt. Oh, they'd be out of the playoff picture yeah. had they lost that game. Now, yeah, you know the AFC. A lot of teams are battling for playoff positioning, and I think the Ravens have a good chance because oh. their last three games are against teams they should easily yeah. beat. They should finish eleven and five. You'll probably get three teams in the AFC North in the playoffs. So, because I think Cleveland will drop because their division is tough anyway. Yeah. I mean, you and know, with Steelers. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's lost a couple now. They're not playing well. You know, I, I can I can see Cleveland dropping a game or two. They could jump right back in. I don't think they'll win the division, but I think they'll get a wild card and be able to come in and cause some people some problems. You know, the thing that really surprised me is we were talking about this game, and Stacy didn't even reference the fact that Baker Mayfield was, you know, a star at Oklahoma with a long line of yeah, Oklahoma no, quarterbacks. Missed, you know, listen, missed listen. opportunity. And now it we was got, a missed uh, opportunity. Okay? Well, now we got Spencer yeah. Rattler. You know, going, yeah, going yeah up, Spencer Rattler, the Rattler. Against uh, Iowa State. <laughs> yes, yes, the Rattler, baby, the Rattler. He's, he's going to be a good one, but – Listen, I was hyped for Baker Mayfield. I mean, we I, I, seriously. I mean, he's he's got more swag than a lot of people, man. That kid I love those can, commercials too. He can dance. Where he's taking he care can of the dance. The, he, the commercials are funny. Yeah. And I think now he's got a coach that actually can coach him and believe in him because some of the things, some of the throws he made in that game uh, were unbelievable. I mean, he's one of those kids. He's that new breed of quarterback that doesn't have to be in the pocket. He, he makes more plays out the pocket. And you see that with Lamar Jackson. You see that with Patrick Mahomes. I think you can see that with Trubisky if, you know, given the opportunity because he's got good legs. He can run. He can throw on the run. They just don't utilize him like those other teams utilize those other young players. You didn't mention your Oklahoma guy down in Arizona. Oh, yeah, Kyler Murray. Yeah. yeah, you know, the guy that's, you know, he can think, you know, before you say something, he already knows what you're, he already <laughs> knows what you're thinking. Is that yeah. a class at Oklahoma? Did yeah, that, we're all like that. So, see, I, you know, I, when, you, when you're thinking something, I know what you're thinking, John, okay? So, but I'm not going to tell you what you're hey, thinking I, right now. I'm thinking about another beer. Can you get me one? Uh, <laughs> that's not a bad idea. <laughs> hey, it's championship weekend in college football. Normally, this is a, a lot of excitement. You're looking forward to these great matchups, big crowds in these neutral site stadiums. Now, we've got some pretty good matchups on paper, but you look at what happened in the, in the Pac-12, and you had Washington drop out because they didn't have enough scholarship athletes to go up against USC, and Oregon is going to play 
USC again on Friday night. Is there a game that you guys are looking forward to watching, whether it's Notre Dame, Clemson? That there. Yeah. That that's the game to watch yeah. because it's number two versus number three. It's a rematch. Clemson has their quarterback back now. So let's see if Notre Dame can do the same thing with, you know, Trevor in there now. Because right. now you got your you got your probably the first pick in the draft back in the game, and they're a different team when he's the quarterback. So uh, and this has this has national championship, you know, the playoff implications because yeah, Clemson be out yeah, if they lose. If, if Clemson loses, they're out. Yeah. And then you know um, you got Notre Dame. I mean, if they lose, how far do they drop? Yeah, if they you get know, blown out, they if, could, if they get blown out, exactly. Yeah. If they get blown out. How far do they drop? They're two now, mm-hmm. so they could drop out of the top four. So, well, as a Northwestern guy, I uh, kind of looking forward to this game. Unfortunately. I wish they were playing Notre Dame because the record against Notre Dame with NU is incredible over the years. Uh, but they're playing the Buckeyes, them. though. I yeah, it's pretty tough going up yeah, against that Ohio that State happening. offense. There's going to have to be some crazy turnovers to get that one going their way. Yeah, what do you think about Oklahoma's chances against Iowa State, Stace? I like the Sooners. They they play they play they're playing with a little swag now. Their defense they they've got their defense under control. Um, they're really flying to the ball. Um, they've got to establish their running game. You know, they just can't let, you know, the young quarterback Rattler just sit back there and just throw. They've got to establish the run, you know, run some play action. Um, they had an opportunity to beat them early in the season, and they failed. And, you know, Iowa State's been playing well all season long. I mean, they've had some, they've had some really close games, but they got a lot of seniors on that team, you know, guys that came in together, um, you know, as freshmen. And now they've, now they've worked hard, and they've got put themselves in position to be the Big 12 champions. So – you know, that's going to be tough to beat. You see how uh, Florida lost last week where the guy threw a guy's shoe? Oh, <laughs> it would have stopped that. the drive. They would have had to oh, punt instead. Wow. Kept an LSU drive alive because the guy made a big play. And instead of, you know, just going over to the sideline, the punt team come on, he throws the LSU player's shoe. They get a 15-yard penalty. LSU goes down and kicks a winning field goal. Crazy. Yeah, that 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 was crazy. I mean, that's, that's not the way you want to lose a game, especially – you know, when you're that's a team that's you're a team that is right there to get into the playoffs, you know, that hurt them. That that put them out. I mean, so I mean that's not a smart play, but hey, these are kids, man. They're gonna make some mistakes sometimes. Big news in the Big Ten over the weekend, Lovey Smith let go by the fighting Illini. He did not have much success in his run in Champaign Urbana. You know, I, I never thought that Lovey was particularly suited for the college game, and I don't know that he really was up for going into kids' houses and recruiting and doing that kind of thing. I think he was more of an administrator. The problem for Illinois now is, Stacy, that they've been bad for so long. Who can you get in there as a head coach that can con- convince kids to come to Champaign-Urbana and battle all these Big Ten powers? Well, I mean, you got Indiana that's really starting to you mm-hmm. know play well. I was always you know right around the corner. I mean, it's all about recruiting. I mean, you've got to be able to get you know players in there that can turn your program around. And you look at those teams I just mentioned. You know, North, if Northwestern's able to recruit guys and get them there and, and then be able to play at a high level, why can't you know University of Illinois? Why can't they have that? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what they got to do. I, you got to find a young coach, you know, that can relate to these younger players. That and I don't know if Lovey could relate to those younger players other than being an NFL guy. You know, but can you really, re, you know, can you really relate to the, an 18 year old? You know, and I think you got to get some young coaches that will beat the path to these kids and relate to these kids. You know, talk Nintendo, talk, <laughs> talk Xbox and stuff, music, rap music. I mean, you got to find avenues to reach these kids that will make them comfortable to come to wherever your school is. 
And Tim mentioned Northwestern. Uh, they, of course, won the Big Ten West Championship, but they found out a couple of days ago that their athletic director, Jim Phillips, who's done a, a remarkable job in 13 years on the Evanston campus, is leaving to become the commissioner of the ACC Conference. When you think about what they have done, they won two Big Ten West Championships. They got to the NCAA tournament in basketball for the first time in school history. That amazing football facility they built on the lakefront, the renovation of Welsh Ryan Arena. I mean, Jim Phillips is a guy who gets things done, and I'm sure he's the ACC is lucky, is lucky to have him. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, when I was going to school there, I was – uh, I guess bad enough to play for that team, but uh, today they really have done a, an incredible job. Wait, 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 wait! Tell me the story. <laughs> I, I, I'm learning something new here on the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. <laughs> what uh, What did you play? I, I'm just talking about football right now, but uh, actually back then it was so bad I could have played for him. Oh, okay. I okay. thought you were telling me he was a scholarship okay, athlete. He, was a scholar, yeah. no. that he just he, 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 they he were just, so bad he decided to decline the invitation. <laughs> My twin sister went to uh, Wisconsin, and uh, that was the toilet bowl that played every year. <laughs> but Northwestern's done some amazing things on the football field. I mean, they are going to play Ohio State this weekend, be a huge underdog there. But when you consider – a small campus like that, Stacey, it all comes down to recruiting. And Pat Fitzgerald has gone out and been able to go head-to-head with some of these Big Ten powerhouses and convince kids to come to a school with much higher academic standards, with facilities that now are good but weren't good back in the past when he first got there. And, and he was able to build that thing up from nothing. I think that's why some people, that are, Bears fans, are saying, hey, we should get Pat Fitzgerald to coach the Bears. Well, I mean, that you know, it just hits what I just said. He's able to relate to these younger kids. He's getting them excited about coming to Northwestern because they have a. It's tough to get in Northwestern. You, know, you go down and get some of these kids that don't have the grade point average, but are superstar athletes that end up going to Florida State and all these other places. Northwestern can't get them because they can't get in. So for him to be able to to field a team, to be able to challenge for the Big Ten title year in and year out. Uh, you know, it's amazing because I, I remember when they were they were terrible. I, rem- I remember when he played. So I was here when he played. So um, I, I remember how bad those that teams were. That was the who? But that started with Barnett. That's where it started. Yeah, the Barnett. Course. Barnett. Yeah. Barnett kind of turned it around. But before him, it was it was not that good. No. When you tried out for the team and Keyshawn decided that, uh, decided <laughs> that you didn't want to play. <laughs> Too good for the program. Yeah, exactly. Hey, time now for our on the down low segment, and, and we can't start anywhere except with the health of Stacy's puppy Brixton. How, I know our listeners are wondering how's Brixton doing. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> we have a special report on Brixton King. <laughs> Brixton had his surgery last Friday, and he came through with flying colors. The nurses and the doctors over there at MedVet. They were so amazed at him, a little guy thinking that he would have be in so much pain. Um, he acted like he'd never been hurt for before. I, I, he has a high tolerance of pain just like his father. Father, that's exactly <laughs> so, what I was say. You know, that's he's, what I was he's, he's tough. He's a tough little puppy. He's doing – he's on the mend. I think the timetable the doctor said it'll be a month. So he's going in tomorrow or Thursday to get his bandage changed. So we got two bandage chains the next two weeks. And then he starts uh, puppy rehab. And he'll be doing that, and he'll be good in a month. Is there a hard cast on the leg or, or no? It's a soft cast. Not not that big uh, cast they had him on the last time we came in tape. Yeah, the that show. was that, something. That was, a, that was a cast for, like, a Great Dane, and he was a puppy. <laughs> the guy weighs, baby weighs, like, 24 pounds. It yeah. was like a cast for a 100-pound dog, and he couldn't even move. You know? So he's in a little soft cast, and then he, they give him, like, a little – 
a rubber boot. It's like a little uh, galosh or something, you know, like some of you for the snow so that the, the bandage doesn't get wet. Mm -hmm. And it's a pain trying to, you know, get him ready. And he's got to wear the cone and, you know, he's not wanting to do that. And, you know, just he's like a little toddler. You know, it's like trying to get that little boot on him. And he's biting me. He's kicking me. I'm like, oh, my God. This and, is... and how do you give medication to dogs? That's, that's got to be know a what? challenge. It's, you know what? Almond butter. Oh, okay. Almond butter is the secret. You know, you take the pill. It's the tip of the day. You, you mix it. Yeah, Stacy's tip of the day. Yeah, tip of the day. You take the pill. You put it in almond butter so they don't see the pill. Right. Give it to them because dogs love peanut butter. But almond butter is the best one. Healthy. So <laughs> <laughs> to go along with that raw diet we talked about That's last right. week. So I give him the almond butter with the peel. He he loves it. He takes it in. Boom. Done. Doesn't even Doesn't even hesitate. If that doesn't work, wrap it in cat poop. <laughs> Goose poop would work too. Wow. Okay. This guy over here to the right of me. Can Going we, back to the Lamar Jackson can story. Can we get out of, of the shitter, maybe? <laughs> we're trying. There's no question about it. It is the holidays. We're only 10 days away from Christmas as we tape this on, on a Tuesday evening, December 15th. You guys all, Stacy said he's not done with the shopping. He's, he's going to wait till the last minute. And I don't know if John can talk because his lovely wife Susan is with us here today. But, John, you got any uh, shopping stories to tell us about from your past? Shopping stories from my past? Yeah. Uh, not particularly. I did order a, uh, my, I'm from the Ocean State, Rhode Island. And so there's a place where you can order online. And I just ordered a huge, uh, the, the clams. The shrimp, the lobster, nice, and there it's it's going south to Florida for my parents. So that was something I did today. I felt pretty good about it because uh, you know we love our quahogs. That's uh, seafood that begins with a Q. If you remember that movie reference, but um, yeah, that would that would be my one shopping story. Um, but my, my Christmas movies, if uh, a quick segue, uh, would be uh, Die Hard. Hey, but nobody asked you about your no, no one there. No one cares. <laughs> we're, we're, he, we're, he's just taking over the show yeah, he again. Did, he uh, to oh, this is a new segue. Give him an inch, he took a foot. Oh, and my What's goodness. your favorite Christmas song and Christmas candy? You um, just want to go down the list? Tim, my favorite movies are <laughs> Die Hard and Elf. Thank you. Oh. Yeah, and it, it is a hot dog a sandwich. Oh, my God. <laughs> No, but I know one thing you don't put on a hot dog, and that is ketchup. Very good, Tim. You're a Chicago. What? No ketchup. Yeah, that's a on Chicago hot dog. thing. Don't you dare. can't put ketchup don't, on a hot come dog. What? Yeah. And it's not a sandwich either. No, I'm telling you right now, I ketchup and mustard. That's me. And relish. Yeah, yeah. Not not the not the big pickle and the onions and the. No. How long have you been in Chicago? For? Don't worry about that. Okay. 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 I'm from Oklahoma. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm you, transported here. Okay. Do you fry the hot dog? No, no, no. Okay. No, no. You, 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 hey, Tyson, pull up the punches <laughs> okay, over there. Okay. There All right. All right. And John, another segment you want to talk about. You got some more TV tips to give the uh, listeners? Yeah, I do. I have a TV tip. And I have a, I'm going to come back to you, Shinovsky, because I bet you look really good in uh, polyester. With a gold chain, I want you to. Tell yeah, back me, in the seventies, that was huge. Yeah, I bet you were huge on the dance floor, yeah. cutting the rug. The there's plaid a, pants with the flared legs, so, yeah, so that there was were, something. So the there's heels. A, there's yeah. an HBO special out there, uh, Bee Gees. Staying alive, and, baby. Oh, is it out? Yeah. Can you yeah. name all all the Gibb brothers? No, I can. Go ahead. Barry, Robin, Maurice, and Andy. Wow, that's rage, dude. Stacy is a music expert. I wow. I, listen, man, I'm not. I'm not just all into hip hop, man. Come on, dude. now. I'm a. I'm no. a 
I'm a I'm a worldly guy. Wow, you just went way Stay up, in dude. a lot. Stay <laughs> in a lot. <laughs> if you ever seen One Night Only, it was done at the MGM years ago. Um, they piped in Andy. I mean, their catalog of music is incredible. When when the disco thing went bust, they were great. They were songwriters. Highly recommend anything on the Bee Gees. Brother Gibbs, I'm all in. You guys get the family together to watch uh, Christmas movies? Is there anything, traditions in your households, Stace? One of my favorite Christmas movies is Four Christmases with uh, Vince oh, okay. Vaughn. And, uh, <laughs> There's a lot of dysfunction in that Robert, film. That, yeah, Robert and, Duvall. And Robert Duvall was the father. Yeah. And you had, uh, you know, had Sissy Spacek was the mother who got married to Vince Vaughn's best friend. There was so much dysfunction in there, and and so it was the Vince Vaughn's, and it was um, it was Reese Witherspoon, and yeah. then they went back to see each other's families or whatever. And it was so funny because they they never had seen their families. They never had spent Christmas with. They were, they were supposed to go overseas to like the Caribbean. Yeah. And it got canceled. Yeah. And so the family said, "Hey, come down here." You know, da da da. So they went down there and saw each other's family. It was it was hilarious. It, it, it's the funny one of the funniest movies. There. Vince Vaughn. I'm a big Vince Vaughn yeah. fan. I'll watch anything with him in it. Plus, Tim? he's got some M A style wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, his brother. The the uh, it was uh, <laughs> it was um, it was um, what's his name? What's the country singer? Um, Faith Evans' uh, husband. Uh, Tim uh, Tim, McGraw. Yeah, Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw was a brother. Yeah, and then the guy is always in Vince Vaughn's in, movie. In Swingers. He was in yes, Swingers. and he was in he was in Rudy. He was yeah. in Rudy. Um, what is it, John? Um, Favreau. Favreau. Nice. Yeah, look at this guy. Over here. Fill in the blanks, Tim Kelly. Yeah, that's what he's do. good for right there. Filling in the blanks. <laughs> All right, your turn, Tim. You got a favorite Christmas movie? Well, I got to go with Scrooge. I mean, any movie where you're going to put antlers on a mouse's head with staples, <laughs> that's, that's good stuff. Yeah, you know, I like one of the classics, White Christmas, Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye. That, that's a classic, and, and how Bing, Danny Kaye keeps getting Bing doing favors because he saved them from getting a wall falling on them in, in the World War II. So that you know, that, that's some great stuff. That was a classic movie, and I like the Home Alone movies, too, yeah, just, to see, just to see those guys take their punishment. Chicago stuff. Yeah. John, and what were your movies again, John? Um, Die Hard. Die Hard. You, you know that movie, Die Hard. Yes. That's a Christmas movie. And uh, Elf. You, you got to love Will Farrell. See, th there's a funny side story because I always called John. John McClane. Oh, okay. <laughs> I call him that all the time. That, yeah. John McClane. Because yeah. he's got I a new hairdo him, today for Yes, show, yes, man. yes. He's got he's got this uh, Heartbreak Ridge Marine hairstyle <laughs> going on here. Did you here. fall asleep in a chair I or wish, what happened? I wish, hey. we, I wish we were on air on, on the camera right <laughs> yeah, now as you right can see here. this. Oh, Susan cut your hair? <laughs> oh, I thought Something Stevie Wonder slipped. did it. Did oh, you mess up goodness. one side and you had to do the other? Yeah. She's like, well, I think I took too much off the top, so we're just going to leave this little like little Sweet Pea Popeye yeah, yeah, from Sweet it. Pea look, a little it, curl yeah. on the top. A tuft. <laughs> a tuft, that's exactly yeah, what yeah. I have left. Yeah, yeah, it, it looked good, though. It looked good. And, and he also looks like Michael Keaton. Yeah, he does. He yes, looks a lot I, I like tell him. So it, yeah. for eight years, we worked together. That's I always call him John McClane. Beetlejuice. Or I call him Michael Keaton. <laughs> and he said, I look better than Michael Keaton. I've yeah. been a better Batman. I'm like, okay, now I just walk away. I just walk away like I didn't hear it. Uh, no, then, no, then he'd fall asleep. The greatest thing about King, I would be, I'd sit next to him on the plane, and uh, he'd be talking, 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 and then all of a sudden I'd look over, he'd be out. <laughs> That's a real talent to be able to sleep wow. anyway. I'd be like, in mid sentence, I'm like, we're having this great conversation. Well, yeah, you might not be a great conversation. Oh, that could be a man. problem, too. Oh, oh, oh. 
And John John would always come on the plane, right? It's like, you know, he'd, he'd want to sit with different people, and they were like, oh, this seat's taken. This seat's taken. And he'd just keep coming back. He'd just get, and then he'd be like, he'd like, hey, King, King, can I sit here? And I'd, and I'd have all my stuff, because I'd never let anybody sit next to me. So I always have my, like, all my stuff in the seat. All your and chips. He, yeah, all, all my and bags and stuff, and my, my CD, my, your my, research. my, all the stuff. So he'd come back and go, hey, King. Can I sit here? I got, I got nowhere to go. And I'm like, and I look at him, and I look at him. I'm like, come on, John. You know I don't let nobody sit next to me. Come on, man. King, where, where do you want That's me to go? That's cold. You want me to go sit yeah. in the bathroom? Hey. You want me to sit in the bathroom? Yeah. And sit in the toilet? Like, yeah. come on. I would have stood. I mean, I would have stood. But yeah, the king was always gracious enough. He'd move. He moved, he'd give me like half a seat. <laughs> no, I would see John. John, see when you give somebody, you give somebody your seat. That I normally don't give to, right? Exactly. So you have that little center console thing that holds the drinks, okay? John always wanted to try to put a book there, his drink. And I'm like, look, dude, yeah. you, you, you're in my space. You sitter, but you can't take my space. You're in my space, okay? So it's just like coming in somebody's house and breaking in their house and I'm you know, taking the silverware. I'm going to go make me a sandwich. Like, <laughs> wait a minute, dude, what are you doing? I don't know you. That's how John was just moved in. Yeah, but King, yeah. I used to hang your coat up. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. That was part of getting in the chair. You had to you had to put my bag up. John would put my bag up top for me. He would say, King, give me a jacket. I'll hang it up. I'm like, well, that's nice. But that was the price you paid if you had to sit next to me. But John was the only one I let sit next to me. Yeah. He's the only one. I would not let anybody else sit next to me. He's the only one. And wasn't there like one flavor of Starburst you wouldn't eat? So you probably had some leftover candy, right? Yeah, you know what? I don't eat the red ones. I'm not a red Starburst guy. Like I like the, the yellows and. I don't uh, remember him ever sharing anything. Uh, no. Yeah, you know what? I had to slap a few people's hands at the game because you know they, you know, you just can't. You know, I have I have a big bag of Starburst. You yeah. know, and that's supposed to last me for about two weeks. Okay. And what starts to happen is the camera guys come over there. <laughs> they're putting their hands in Trella, there. Yeah. You know, taking a whole handful. And I'm like, wait a minute, man, you didn't put in to get none. Yeah, so yeah. I'm like, no, you know. And then there's some people who actually take it and they'll bring me a bag. This Stacy, these are all the Starbursts I took, you know, over the last two weeks, and they'll give it to me. But you know, like guys like Cella, Dave Cella, who's a great right. camera guy, a thief. Yeah, you know, and you know, he's sticking his hands in there. I don't know where your hands have been. Like, well, dude, where are you? <laughs> Especially here? now. In yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he used to go to my bathroom in my in my office and you know, not even ask me to go in. He just go in there. I'm like. I never heard the water running. <laughs> so when he walked out, I'm like, yeah, did you wash your hands? Yeah, it took us almost an hour, but now we're getting to the down and dirty. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, maybe maybe he used hand sanitizer at the, the, the portal. I don't know. But I never heard the water going. That's why I was a little leery about him reaching in my bag. You know, we've all had stories about, you know, going to a grandparents' house or aunts and uncles and, and, you know, having some nasty snacks being put out or you're like, oh. little kid, you know, what this stuff. And, and I was thinking, you know, we talk about candy that you have at Press Row. The stories uh, that Neil used to t- talk about, uh, Johnny Red Corn, oh. where he'd, oh. <laughs> he'd have an old bag of Christmas candy <laughs> all stuck together. Hey, listen. And that was Red's thing, right? Think think about this. When you used to go trick-or-treating as a kid, there was certain candy that you just, you Didn't knew want. the houses yeah. that gave the worst candy. Yeah. So if someone gave you the butterscotch, the butterscotch house, we right. don't go there. If someone gave you, like, the <laughs> candy like corn, it. the candy corn, I hate candy corn. Right. Don't go to the candy corn house, okay? You so you just apples? knew. Anybody ever give you? A- yeah, we never had apples. We okay. didn't go to no any Popcorn fruit. Balls? No, no. So Johnny Red is Johnny Red was the one who got me bringing candy to the game yeah. because when you sit there for three hours, you know you get hungry because we can't get, get up and go to hot dog right. or food because we're doing the game. So Johnny would bring this bag, and it'd be full of like butterscotch and 
Red Hots and <laughs> all the candy, like lemon drops, you know, the kind of stuff when you go to your grandmother's house yeah. and you go, she has a candy jar and you walk over to the candy jar yeah. and you reach it all in to get it together. and they're all stuck together. <laughs> Instead of pulling out one, you pull out all like 20 of them, you know? And that's kind of how, you know, Red's was. So Red it. would say, anybody eating this? And he just put it in a bag and take it off. Oh, you guys don't want this? Oh, I'll take it, you know? But, you know, there, there's so many. I mean, but he, but I tell you what, he got me into bringing candy because I never would have even thought about that if it wasn't for him because he'd have his bag, his Ziploc bag, and he'd have his candy. He would have like, uh, you know, like sore throat stuff, you know, hauls, mm -hmm. you know. And I was like, man, that's a good idea, you know, because we don't get to get up and move around like everybody else does. We only we have like maybe two minutes where we have a break from halftime. So you're hungry. So you have some snacks there with some candy or whatever. I just liked a little bit more updated candy. <laughs> I mean, that's just me. I, I mean, some people like that, you know, like the grandparents' candy. I, I like the little updated stuff. You Skittles. like your stuff wrapped, too, right? I like my stuff wrapped. Yeah, yeah. especially no, now. No, yeah. if I see anybody, like Dave Chella would pull out stuff out of his pocket. Hey, Stace, I got some candy for you. And it would have lint all, it would have lint all on it. It would yeah, be open. Yeah. And it's like, oh, dude, like, did you watch this? Like, yeah. what, what are you doing? So... Yeah, I just started bringing my own stuff. It's the same thing with IFBs and headsets. You know, we have our own headsets. We have our own IFBs. I remember my first year we were in Detroit, and I didn't have my own headset and stuff. So guys said, oh, we got your IFB over here. I'm like, all right, cool. So, so I get this IFB, and it has this huge wax on it. Yeah, you don't want to sit that in so, your ear. So yeah. I thought it was part of, like, I thought it was, like, some stuff that, it, that actually makes your ear fit, oh. you know, like some of that, that sticky stuff. That's not and, a pretty and I go, picture. And I, and I go, I go, I said, is this, is this supposed to be here? <laughs> like, I didn't know. It's just for you, Stacey, yeah, a special okay. gift. I didn't know it was like earwax. I it's thought it Christmas was like, miracle. like that stuff you put in to, to make the ear, the thing sit in yeah. better. And he's like, yeah, you, know, you might want to bring your own. I said, you know what? Forget <laughs> it. Here's what I'm going to do tonight. That's not going in my ear. I'm just going to read Neil's lips. Yep, just cue me. Just, I'm going to read his lips because you know it's how hard it is with all the noise in there. And I was sitting there just watching Neil's lips move. And, you know, he'd say, Stacey, what do you think about night? And I'm just watching his lips. Does his lips really move, though? Yeah, they do move. Did I tell you, he texts me. He texts me during the game, the first game of the year, he texts me. And I first thing I asked him, I said, what are you doing up? <laughs> Should we be asleep? <laughs> He's like, I'm watching you. Uh, he said, you guys sound good. And and uh, and I, I, I wore tribute to Neil Funk. So the first game, mock I wore turtleneck. I wore mock turtleneck. <laughs> nice. And you know I never wear those things. <laughs> yeah. I hate them. But for the first game, yeah. no one knew this either, except for people you would known it, yeah. and you know some of the people in the truck knew it, but like the fans would not have known it. So the first game, I wore a mock turtleneck in honor of my man Neil Funk, and so he knew it, he saw it, and he's like, "I see you rocking the, I see you rocking my style, you rocking my my mock turtleneck." I said, "Yeah, it's a tribute to you." So he yeah. really liked that. So Christmas is just around the corner. Instead of having visions of sugar plums dancing in your head, you're going to be thinking about stale candy stuck together. <laughs> you're going to be thinking about earwax, and you're going to be thinking about mock turtlenecks. So that's what we're doing here on Give Me the Hot Sauce. This is a full-service show. We're just creating those word pictures for you, and it won't be long. We're going to take this show to YouTube, and you'll be able to see the, uh, the expressions on people's faces when some of these insults well, take are Take it going. to the moon. Yeah. Stacy, so, I think you have a, a courtesy or somebody you want to reference or... Give a shout out to yeah. You got to get a ride to the arena, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, special shout out to the Windy City Limo. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna be my they're gonna be my driver this year as I go downtown a few times a week. 
So uh, just working out some logistics with my man, George. And, and you know what they're saying? They're saying an hour and five minutes into the show, and that's when I get the plug? Yeah. Anybody yeah, stay to yeah, the bitter yeah, end? You know what? You know, we're, hey, listen, you know, the check's in the mail. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, right now we're on a budget. We can't we're on a budget. We can't we're working on everything. But, yeah. but, but we, are, we, are, we are moving forward, and we're having some fun. So be prepared every week to laugh your, your sides off and have a good time with us. We're here to have fun. We're here to talk sports and all kind of stuff. So tune in every week. Yeah, I don't want to speak out of turn. We're going to have another show before Christmas, right? So we can we can save our Christmas greetings until then. Yeah, but your we're... stocking will get stuffed, you know, so don't worry about <laughs> it. We're, we're going to give you some little more Christmas cheer. We, we appreciate you know? all of our listeners who are following Give Me the Hot Sauce. We want to make sure that you listen, subscribe, rate the podcast, let you know what you're thinking. Maybe send some questions over to Stacey King's website. What is that again, John? The... That's Stacey21King.com. Yeah, because we want your feedback. We want to make the show better, and we will be taking it to YouTube down the road as we get into the new year. Stacey. Once again, creepy. <laughs> Once again, StacyTwinKing.com. Once again, creepy. Creepy John. And next week, try to guess which basketball cards John Walsh will bring to the table. Out of it's his all tub. here on Give Me the Hot Out of sauce. his tub. <laughs> yeah, and they were mint condition until his greasy fingers go. <laughs> Chicken grease, <laughs> spaghetti sauce all on the cards. I'm like, oh, my God. What well, the heck? a million-dollar card turned to 10 oh, cents. Oh, we get no money off yeah, that, it's man. A, it's a sad day. Oh, it is a sad day. But the beer keeps flowing, though, boys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, nice beer. Thank you so much for listening to the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. We'll be coming at you again next week. Good luck with your Christmas shopping, everyone. Stacy. What do you got? Drive home safely, Chicago. Beep, beep. <laughs>